Hello and welcome to the V2 Football Podcast. I'm Chris Lappin and joining me this week I have Shane Lee. Hello. And our special guest we have Zaysh Raymond. You okay Zaysh? Hello. Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah. How was how was it out in Malaysia? Yeah, it's very uh, different to England, obviously the weather for a start, but um, in terms of the football and the life, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so you've said, so Pahang you're currently playing for. So how it's pronounced? Yeah. Pahang. Pahang. Pahang, yes. East Coast team. Yeah. Pahang. So, so have you, you've recently just finished the season with Red Race? Or you just started? It's a little, it's a little bit different over here. By, yeah. in, in July, by the time July comes around, the league and the FA Cup are finished. Mm. And then the, the, the league stops for Ramadan month here. Yeah. And then resumes again in August when you have the Malaysia Cup. Uh, the Malaysia Cup goes for a few months. The most prestigious cup out here at the moment when the quarterfinals which commences again next week so it's a bit stop start so it's not something I'm completely used to but um, you have to adapt <laughs> well um, we interviewed um, a guy called Andy Cook and he said that the people in that uh, the football stand that area is it's a good they're good technically but it's the physically and they don't have the technical awareness that you do in the British uh, it's, it's different because you're only allowed a certain number of foreign players um, mm. from Malaysia only three three import players can play at any time oh, that's, that's so that's the, the, <laughs> the level the level of the import players is very good players mm. from Europe South America all over actually but obviously then the local players uh, they rely heavily on the foreign players and the foreign coaches so it takes time for them you know to get that tactical awareness and whatnot. but there's some very good um, local Local players here actually that could play in other leagues, but don't perhaps get the exposure that they could. Okay, well, if we go back to the beginning of your career, um, who spotted you and took you to Fulham? Uh, well, it's just that time. His name is Gary Clark. He was the under 12s manager at Fulham, and he yeah. came to watch. Um, he came to watch me play, and then I went for a two a trial, and within two weeks, I signed for the under 12s, and then I was there until uh, 22. So. It was a good 10 years at the club, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and you made your um, debut at Anfield. Is that a scary atmosphere? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great place to make your debut. If you could choose one place, you'd prob- that'd probably be in the top two or three yeah. um, at the time. Fantastic crowd, a lot of history there. And you know, coming on at Anfield is, a, is an amazing experience. So, you know, something I won't be forgetting in a hurry. So, what are your favourite memories from your Fulham days before? Um, I, was, I was fortunate enough to play with some, you know, very good professionals, top professionals like Andy Cole, hmm. Ed Van der Sar, uh, Brian McBride. These kind of guys are just top professionals. So I learned a lot um, from these guys. But favourite memory is probably winning four-one away at St James's Park, uh, yeah. playing against Alan Shearer, Patrick Cliver, and then a couple of times playing against Arsenal. Not for the result, but just for the, you know, to be on the same pitch as those caliber of players that on the invincible side you know sometimes you can't get near the ball for 10 minutes <laughs> good to be on that pitch and experience that but there's some some good memories but those games against Chelsea Man United Arsenal the top top teams really stick out yeah um, from Fulham you moved to Queen's Park Rangers um, you had to drop a division I believe yeah um, uh, at the time I had two years left on my contract at Fulham but uh, uh, when you're when you're 21, 22, now you're at a crossroads. Unless you're established, when you come through the youth team at a club, 
for mm. some reason you're still seen as the kid from the youth team so you have to go and make your name within your own right and establish yourself so you know I, I did I decided to step out of the comfort zone of two years left in my contract because Chris Coleman at the time manager told me I needed to play 50 to 60 games in the next two seasons and I did that yeah. even though we had a lot of change <laughs> during that blowout QPR in terms of managers but you know I've got no regrets about leaving Fulham and, and joining QPR yeah then you had um, a brief spell of Blackpool before you moved to um, Bradford City and um, you became yeah. the first Asian captain of the club yeah Bradford um, that was a good experience obviously a massive Asian community around there mm. Um, we had some success in getting the fans to come in and you know, get some local sponsors on board and just trying to integrate the community and uh, part of the football club, you know, to yeah. make them really feel a part of it and that they that they belong to it because the club is situated in in the heart of of the city and it's the hub of that city. Yeah. So hopefully that spell maybe encouraged a few more um, Asian fans to get involved. But on the football side, enjoyed it. Played. Played all, played close to 100 games there. Learned a lot from Stuart McCall, you know, a very good guy, very good manager. And then, yeah, it was, it was a good, good two years. Okay. Uh, well, um, Shane wanted to ask you about um, your work with Kick It Out and. Hi, Zesh. Right. Hi, mate. I was having this debate with myself last night, and I couldn't end up coming up with a good reason why there are just so few British Asians involved in professional football. Because you, you look at uh. the statistics. And at 7% of the population by the last census, there's less than 1% of, of British football in the top four divisions of footballers. And when you look at, uh, for example, uh, black footballers, they make up about 5% of the population, and yet they have around 22% of the players in professional football are black or mixed race. So for you, why do you think there are so few British Asians involved in professional football? Uh- um, well, that's, that question's come up over and over again over the years, and there's not one one definitive answer that just nails it on the head. It's a combination of many, many factors. Uh, the first one, as you mentioned with the black players, now um, we're, we're in the third and fourth generation of British Asians in the UK. So that automatically, their mindset and their attitude towards sport and football in particular is is seen as acceptable. You know, the parents now don't see it as something that they shouldn't encourage their children to get involved with. Um, secondly, you know, I think there's, there's certain things that hinder the Asian community. Uh, they don't help themselves in terms of playing in Asian-only leagues, you know, something I totally disagree with. It sends out the wrong signals, you know, they're isolating themselves. But on the flip side of that, I can understand why they're set up. Um, also, I think the clubs, um, certain the decision-makers at the clubs, the scouts, could do with um, you know some mentoring on on the Asian community on on Muslim players you know so they don't perhaps feel like uh, they don't know anything about the Asian community because I just feel you know sometimes whatever whatever's in the media or preconceived ideas they might already have take precedence over the decision making um, you know end of the day if the player is good enough it'll come through. Um, you know, so it's a combination of many things, but uh, it's not just one 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 issue. You know, there's many many things. I say. Okay, the other day there was a little uh, debate came out into the public when Jason Roberts came out and said there was an open resistance to black managers, which he was taking from Gordon Taylor saying there was a hidden resistance. 
Do you uh-huh. think there's a parallel to the British Asian problem in football? Do you think there is a passive or active resistance from managers, from coaches, from clubs, or do you think it's mostly down to other circumstances? Um, no, I just think, firstly, end of the day, the bottom line in football, if you're good enough, you'll come through. That's a fact. You know, sometimes there's many things that stop you from from progressing as quickly as you like or getting an opportunity, but um, you know, you can't you can't affect many things that are not in your control. So why even mention it? Why worry about it? Because you can't do absolutely nothing about it. The only thing you can affect is yourself. And I think the Asian kids in particular need strong mentors, not agents, advisors and mentors that can guide them and tweak their mentality to basically disregard what's happening or what might be happening or what they perceive is happening to just focus fully on, on their self, to establish themselves within their team, their club, to step up a level within the game. You know, it's, it's not for me to say uh, there's whether there's um, resistance or not because you can't do anything about that. You can only affect yourself. So I'm not, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. Okay, well... The thing with the black managers debate is it was a ve- it was a fairly small debate when it started, but it picked up a lot of media attention. However, there isn't actually very much uh, open or media interest in the British Asian problem in football. There aren't many. I mean, I was doing some research last night and I found more academic articles than actual popular media articles. So why do you think, despite the fact they you know, British Asians make up such a large percent of the population, why do you think there is so little interest in solving this problem? Well, I want to say there's little interest. There's been a lot of uh, forums and a lot of issues and debates to try to pinpoint why there's no Asian players. I just think things have stood still because it's just talking. You know, you have to get out there and, and put that talk into action. And that means going into the community and starting from the very grassroots and mentoring the kids from a young age and making sure they've got the right mentality to to embrace the sport and not just... You know, make an excuse if you don't go well for them and blame other factors. 